This is the Artisan CEO Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. On this episode, we'll be talking about outsourcing and why it's time to fire yourself from some of those tasks that are currently taking up valuable real estate on your to-do list. We'll be covering the five signs that it's time to hire out, and I'll be answering the question, what is the actual cost in hard dollars to insist on doing everything yourself? Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. Okay, so I hate running errands. I don't like going to the grocery store, the dry cleaner. I don't even like going out shopping for something that I'm looking forward to buying, like a new Madewell top or a new piece of camera equipment from our local camera shop. Matt is the errand runner in our house, and it is a job that I am thrilled he's willing to have because I would rather do almost anything than run errands. And yet, for some reason, in the earlier days of my photography business, I clung to some of the most basic tasks myself because I didn't think that anyone could possibly do as good of a job at it as I could. Like, who likes going to the post office? Uh, almost no one. And yet, I wouldn't even consider outsourcing that task because I didn't think that anyone could do a post office run with as much excellence as I could. What? That doesn't even make sense! So it was a few years into my business and I started realizing with the trajectory that I was on that I was going to need some help. I had dreams and aspirations for how I wanted Abby Grace Photography to grow, but at the time I was maxed out. I could not take on any new projects with my current workload and my client experience was beginning to suffer. So my artisan CEO listeners know I started out as a wedding photographer. I'm a brand photographer now, but at the time I was a wedding photographer and my albums were a constant sticking point. I didn't mind the initial design. I actually had fun with that, but the following up on adjustments portion of things, because my clients had two rounds of review, it was such a pain point. I dragged my feet on it sometimes for weeks, which meant that my clients were having this amazing wedding experience with me up until the final touch point of getting their album done and then I let that standard fall super hard. But why was this a problem? Like if 90% of their experience was an A+, and then the final 10% was only average, like a grade of C, doesn't that still shake out to still be an A average? Well, no. And the reason for that is because of recency bias. This is straight from the Wikipedia page. Recency bias is a cognitive bias that favors recent events over historic ones. Recency bias gives, quote, greater importance to the most recent event, such as a lawyer's final closing argument against um, in front of a jury before they go to deliberate on a guilty versus not guilty verdict. And that wedding album was my closing argument and I was biffing it. But I just couldn't seem to muster the willpower to get it done any faster. And that was when I realized, oh, I think I need some help. I grew up with a mom who was a maker, like one of those people where you'd be out with her and you would see something creative and you say, I really like that, like that dress or that piece of art. And she'd be like, we can totally make that at home. And then she would. And part of that came from the fact that my family just did not have a lot of disposable, we didn't have any disposable income at the time. My dad was in seminary because my parents were preparing to take our family to the mission field. So my dad was a full-time graduate student and uh, had a part-time job as a counselor. And my mom was a full-time mom raising 
raising three small kids at home, like we were in the kind of place where my mom literally crocheted our dish rags kind of situation. But then part of that, the other part of that comes from the fact that my mom is really, really crafty and resourceful. I mean, she crocheted our dish rags for Pete's sakes. She made dresses, my Easter dresses for years. She made quilts. She handmade stationery for my teachers during teacher appreciation week. I remember she'd buy the stamps and the embossing powder and the embossing gun, and she would give them these sets of like 10 to 15 pieces of stationery, and it was such a gift to them. So I learned firsthand from my mom just how much money you can save DIYing a project. And there's a time and a place for that, absolutely. But there's a difference between being a creative person, a homemaker maybe, who wants to make fun gifts for your kids or their teachers, versus being a business owner who's looking to scale. If you're someone who grew up in a home where resources were scarce, or maybe not even scarce, but maybe just money wasn't, well, there wasn't a lot of extra of it, and you have to unlearn some of that when it comes to being a business owner. I'm speaking from experience here. For the longest time, I thought, if I can do it myself, I should do it myself. And it took a really long time for me to take off my crafty hat and put on my CEO pants. Real quick, photographers, are you tired of lather, rinse, and repeating the same tired collection of forgettable photos from one brand session to the next? If you're ready to turn yawn-worthy galleries into the sort of results that thrill your clients and get you both noticed, then you're definitely gonna wanna join me for my free training, The Backstage Secret to Scroll-Stopping Brand Photography. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or you're just getting started out in the world of branding, this session is for you. I'll teach you my number one strategy for crafting stories that resonate with your clients and their audience, which is the biggest secret behind creating galleries that not only look stunning, but also drive engagement and sales for your clients, which, spoiler alert, is what keeps them coming back for additional sessions in the future. Because as brand photographers, purposeful matters more than pretty. But who says you can't have both? Our job is to think like a marketer and shoot like an artist. But you have to have both pieces of that equation. And learning to approach with the mindset of a strategist, that changes everything. So if you're raring to say goodbye to cliche galleries that simply repeat what's already clogging your Pinterest and social media, and hello to a method that drives brand loyalty and real bottom line growth, then head on over to abbygrace.co slash training. That's abbygrace.co slash training. It's time to leave those forgettable, smiling at a laptop photos in the dust in favor of a more tailored approach that's gonna leave your clients obsessed and already planning for their next shoot with you. One more time, that's abbygrace.co slash training. I'll see you in class. It's easy to look at outsourcing in terms of just the number of dollars that are going out the door, especially when you hadn't planned for it. Like, what? $300 to outsource my edits? I could do it myself and save $300. That seems smarter. <laughs> but we have to reframe the concept of outsourcing. Instead of how much money is this going to take out of my bank account, you have to learn to think of this in terms of, number one, how much more could I earn if I were to give this task to someone else with the time that it would free up? And then two, how much is it costing me to keep this task in-house? Because I guarantee you, if you insist on doing everything solo, it will cost you. It might cost you quality. It might cost you the ability to grow. It might cost you customers. 
So negativity bias, we talked earlier about recency bias. So negativity bias is the human tendency to give negative events or feelings more significant weight or consideration than equally proportionate positive experiences. Like how it feels worse to lose $100 than to unexpectedly find $100. So negativity bias is why we tend to focus more on what outsourcing could cost you versus what it could help you gain or achieve because it feels worse to give away $300 for outsourcing than it does to pay someone for outsourcing and then realize, oh my gosh, I can use that time, those several hours of edits that that would have cost me, and I can use that to shoot a new session because the time that it gives back, it's hard to quantify. Um, and, and because of that, it's hard, we, the only thing that we have to look at in terms of black and white is how many dollars is this costing me because that number of how much is it going to help me earn is much woolier and harder to define. So let's look at this with some solid numbers. Get away from the vagueness of it all and give you guys an actual idea of how much more could you earn if you were to give a task away. I'm going to use myself as an example. So for our first launch of a course I used to teach called A Practical Wedding Workshop Live, we have since sunsetted the course. You can't get it anymore. We launched it for the first time in 2016, January 2016, and we brought in about $27,000 in revenue. We launched the same course again uh, in June of 2016, kind of mailed that one in, used very similar emails that I had written for the first launch, didn't change up the launch strategy other than to do a different webinar topic. And so we went from $26,000 at the first launch, to, sorry, $27,000 for the first launch to about $16,000 in revenue for the second launch. The third time we launched the course, again, didn't change up our tactics much. We uh, brought in $11,000 for that one. So following that trend, we were on track to do about a $7,000 launch for our fourth time around. I was really struggling with sales emails. I did not like writing for sales. I'm a good writer, but I just hated the the idea of selling something. Um, and so I told Matt, if we were going to launch it again, we had to hire a copywriter to help me with the sales email. So we hired Ashlyn Carter. Um, and this was in, gosh, it must have been like November or December of 2016 that we hired her. And then we launched the course again in January of 2017. Um, and like I said, following the trend, we were expecting we could we probably should have expected to make about seven thousand dollars with the path that we were on not changing much really only changing the webinar topic well we hired ashlyn she came and revamped the entire email sequence gave me a ton of intel that was super helpful for the launch strategy and we ended up doing 24 to twenty-five thousand dollars in sales so i went from expecting to make seven to making 24 to 25 with the investment that we spent on copywriting with Ashlyn Carter. So outsourcing can literally make you more money than if you keep going at it alone. And that's not even touching on the time that it'll free up to grow your craft, maybe even pick up a new photography skill or finally work your way through those courses that you bought but haven't watched, which then in turn will make you more of an expert, which then in turn allows you to raise your rates. I get that it's kind of wooly at times, but like I'm giving you that hard number. We went from expecting 7K to making 24 to $25,000. So outsourcing, even though the results can feel hard to pin down, can make you exponentially more money than you spent to outsource the task itself. And let's not forget to talk about the benefit of increased job satisfaction because it's not selfish or wrong to want to love what you do. Being a small business owner requires doing tasks that you don't like. I mean, that's the human experience too, but like, especially when you're a small business owner, right? You have fewer people that you can delegate tasks you don't want to do to. 
And so being a small business owner often means working harder and longer for the same pay that you would at a nine to five. So if we're going to take the risk that comes with striking out on our own, isn't it understandable that we would want to stack the deck as much as possible in our favor instead of the self-flagellation of making yourself do everything because that's what good small business owners do. It's like in The Princess Bride and he goes, life is pain, highness. Like, small business ownership is pain. It doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> so instead of forcing yourself to do everything and filling your schedule with jobs that you hate and leaving very little time for the tasks that you love, you know, the ones that constitute the whole reason you started your business in the first place, doesn't it make sense to get rid of as many of those tasks that you don't like doing as possible, especially when they do not require your personal touch? Like if we're gonna work harder and longer, I want to enjoy the ride because enjoying the ride helps me avoid burnout territory. I never wanna close my business because I resent the working conditions and I just can't take it anymore. And outsourcing helps me do that. And furthermore, CEOs don't do coffee runs. I'm gonna say that again for anybody who wasn't quite listening the first time. CEOs don't do coffee runs. Why? Because it's not a specialist's job. Anybody can place a Starbucks order for pickup or delivery. And that doesn't mean that the job isn't significant. It just means that it's not a job that you're going to pay somebody $150 an hour to do. Syncing a Lightroom catalog of edits to 50 anchor photos that I've already edited, that doesn't have to be done by me. I've set the tone for what the photos should look like, so editing the rest is a task that can be executed by someone else with a solid Lightroom experience and a keen eye for detail. It doesn't have to be done by me. And on the flip side of that, CEOs also recognize when they're out of their depth. And so they bring in specialists to fill the gaps when they know they're going to struggle to excel. They know when keeping a job in-house is costing them a job well done and that someone else can do the same job better, probably in less time and for less money than it's costing the CEO to do it themselves. So you can see how much outsourcing can gain you. Now let's talk in real numbers about what refusing to outsource might be costing you. I used to offer mentoring. We don't do it anymore. But when I did, one of my mentees, and she gave me permission to share this example, um, we were walking through a sticky client situation trying to figure out how to move forward. So the situation was she was a wedding photographer. And at the time she and I were talking, she'd had a client who was married 15 to 18 months prior. And so with this particular client, she had said, you can expect your wedding gallery in six to eight weeks. Um, um, that's when it'll be delivered. And it ended up taking this photographer about 12 weeks to deliver it. So between one and a half and two times as long as she had originally estimated. And the client came back and said, we love the images. Thank you so much. I know it took a while, but we're so grateful. However, I was wondering if we could edit my arms in every single photo. <laughs> I don't feel like there's a single photo that I want to print or put into my album because I don't like how my arms looked. And the client recognized that it was coming from her own insecurity, but was still hoping that, that the photographer, my mentee, could help her with this. So the photographer, my mentee, let's just call her Jenny. That'll make things easier. Um, so Jenny felt bad because the album had come later than expected. So in order to make up for it, she was like, no problem, I'll take care of it. So she paid an editor $450 out of her own pocket, out of Jenny's pocket, to liquefy every single photo that contained the bride's arms in the picture. And then when she got started on album design, the client asked, hey, I can't see my family in the sparkler edits. Is there, do you have anything else? Like, can I see the raw photos from this? And then she would ask like, can we edit the planner out of the background of the photograph? That was another $40 in additional edits. So now at this point, Jenny is $500 in the hole of cash out the door from her own pocket because she felt bad 
that she was behind on those edits. It was an additional eight to 10 hours of time spent on this client going back and forth with them. And she said, Jenny said, it would have been worth it to pay someone else to do the work to make the nauseating feeling in my stomach go away. And I asked her, do you feel like you would have had an easier time saying no if you had delivered on time? And she said, 100%. Because the thing is, it's easier to set boundaries when you feel like you're not indebted to the client, you're not trying to make up for a job poorly done. Instead of agreeing to liquefy the bride's arms in every single photo, maybe she could have set a boundary that said, hey, I'd be happy to do 15 photos or maybe the photos that are included in your album and then charged for additional edits. She could have charged for every additional edit if she'd wanted to, but instead she's $500 out, eight to 10 hours in the hole because she was behind on her delivery window and so she felt that she was indebted to the client and had to make it up to them. So at this point, I feel like I probably got you convinced. You know it's time to finally start getting some of that work off of your plate. You can see the areas in your business where maybe things are starting to fall through the cracks or if you're not quite there yet, you can anticipate where they might might start to do so in the coming months as your business grows. So the first step in determining what to hand off is to identify your two to three only me tasks. We talked about this in season one, episode 10, which was all about standard operating procedures that for any given business owner, there are two to three things that only you can do, okay? So your job here is to get really honest with yourself about what are those tasks. For me, those come that comes down to shooting brand sessions, the pre-shoot strategizing with my clients, and then teaching. So writing new content like podcast episodes, blog posts, Instagram stories with my face on them, that kind of thing. This comes down to figuring out your two to three only me tasks. This comes down to knowing where your clients receive the most value. How are you serving them in a way that's different from your competitors? What strengths of yours, What where do those play out in a way that surpasses your competition, often with very little effort? We talked in season one, episode five about branding 101 and the main inputs that form a brand's identity and strength is a huge one. Two of my top five strengths, according to the Clifton Strength Finders test are woo, which is winning others over and communication. This means that I am the only one who writes any kind of front-facing communication or marketing copy for our business, and especially when it comes to sales copy, which I'm laughing now because I realized, (laughs) I told you guys earlier, I hate writing sales copy, but I've gotten pretty good at it. Um, And that strength that I have of communication is also what makes me such a good brand photographer. The Strength Finders definition says that people who are exceptionally talented in the realm of communication quote, generally find it easy to put their thoughts into words. Uh, Translating intangible concepts into tangible photographs, I've got that on lock. I'm very good at that. And then that strength of woo, winning others over, it means that I'm also more likely to put myself out there for things like podcast interviews and speaking engagements and webinars because I know I'm good at making people feel comfortable. Everything else that falls outside of those three only me tasks of shooting brand sessions, pre-shoot strategizing, and teaching, all the rest of that can and eventually should be given away as our business continues to grow. And that's not because I'm an elitist because I like those other jobs aren't worthy of my time. It's just I know where my strengths have the biggest impact in our business. And so if we want to continue to make the difference that I feel like I am especially called to make, doesn't it make more sense for me to have more time to put those strengths to good use? 
Here's a list of a few tasks that, uh, despite my myriad talents, are not exclusively within my ability. Things like writing emails, um, like responding to new client inquiries, editing photos and podcast episodes, scheduling travel, sending contracts and invoices, designing graphics for ads or branded content, coordinating logistics with clients or vendors. If a vendor emails and asks for access to an old wedding gallery, I don't have to be the one to send that email. And yes, even running to the post office. I held on to a lot of those tasks because I couldn't fathom paying someone else to do them. But outsourcing the tasks that didn't require my special attention is what helped us grow to the level that we're at now. I used to think that outsourcing was reserved for, you know, once you'd made it. What I didn't realize at the time was the people who made it got there because they outsourced, because they got stuff off their plate and leaned into the gifts that only they could bring to the table. I simply would not have had enough time or bandwidth to keep all of the tasks that were on my plate in 2012 on my plate today and also be able to devote quality energy towards the deep work that's required for the content that moves the needle in our business in bigger more exciting ways like having time to strategize for a brand shoot or write new course material or launch a podcast i could not have done any of that if i had continued to keep everything on my own plate So once you've determined your two to three only me tasks, the next step is to determine your not only me tasks. I gave you guys a few examples a minute ago, but here's a more generalized list of tasks that I try to get off of my plate. Firstly, any non-specialized kind of work like post office runs or ordering new supplies, logging expenses, that kind of thing. Matt does some of that for our business. Our VA also does some of that for our business. If you are not in a position where you work with your spouse or significant other and you don't have a VA, this could be like non-specialized work. You can hire an intern to do that. Um, Maybe you're part of a local church and there's a homeschool kid who's looking to earn some extra dollars throughout the week. Like you could hire them to drive to the post office for you or log expenses or order new supplies for you. It's non-specialized work. They don't need to have a degree in order to do this and you can pretty easily train someone to do these kind of tasks. Next up on the list of the kind of tasks I try to outsource are any tasks requiring a specialized skill that you do not possess and don't see yourself being able to learn quickly. So we've got non-specialized tasks and then hyper-specialized tasks on the other side of that. This is going to be things like website design, um, Facebook ads, and especially any kind of task that might cause a huge liability if you do it yourself and you do it poorly. So like writing contracts, filing your taxes, (laughs) for us filing trademark applications. Those are all we hire a lawyer to do those because the penalty of trying to do it myself is going to be, it's going to cost me more than if I were to pay someone to do it well for me. Next on that list is any task that costs me more in hours than it takes to hire someone else. So I assess my time at my desk at roughly $150 an hour. So if a task costs me $75 to outsource and it takes me more than 30 minutes to perform, I'm going to start to look to get it off my plate. Obviously, I don't sit here with a stopwatch and it's like, oh, that was only 24 minutes and 50 seconds. Like, we can't outsource it. But like, if it's costing me an inordinate amount of time and somebody else can do it for less money and do it faster and do as good of a job or better than I can, in the words of Megan Trainer, you need to let it go. Need to let it go. <laughs> Next on that list is any task that causes major roadblocks. So remember in season one, episode 10, we talked about standard operating procedures. If you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and do it. That is like one of the 
cornerstones of being an artisan CEO is recognizing the need for SOPs. And in that episode, we talked about the date night gifts that I used to send my wedding couples. You know, you'd go out and I would have to buy candy for each new couple because I have a crazy sweet tooth so I couldn't like stockpile the candy at home. And then I had to pick a movie and all these things that had to happen before I could get that gift in the mail, which meant that it hardly ever got sent on time. Those are roadblocks. Those are tasks that you get stuck on that prevent you from moving forward. It's easy to tell yourself in the moment, oh, I just need more discipline. But like when a pattern emerges of you avoiding a task over and over and over again because it's a roadblock, you have to start looking at, is this something that needs more discipline or is it wiser for me to recognize the better use of my funds here is to change something other than just praying for more self-control. So when we decided to stop sending the date night gifts, because again, they were such a roadblock, we took the money that we were spending on that and put it towards paying for welcome gifts. We hired Marigold and Gray. It's a boutique gifting firm here in the DC area. And we hired them to come up with a really cute on-brand gift that we could send our clients as soon as they booked. We ended up coming up with a custom cocktail kit for our couples, which was, it was way more beautiful than what I was putting together on my own. And it was like, yeah, this is worth the money that we're paying for this because it looks better, which reinforces the brand's identity and it also helps to set the tone for a really killer client experience. So as with roadblocks, same thing goes for bottlenecks. Bottlenecks are any part of your workflow where things tend to get jammed up. So maybe busy season hits and every year your editing log is crammed full of thousands of photos and you are so backed up that you know you're going to miss the deadlines that you promised for your clients. Or maybe your inquiries tend to come in waves and you can't keep up with all the back and forth emails. Maybe you're a family photographer and... (laughs) Come, let's say, April when the cherry blossoms are out or September when the leaves are starting to come out, you start getting all of these emails from families who are, you know, rushing to schedule family pictures and you just can't keep up with all of those back and forth emails. Well, when you bring in help, it helps to widen the neck of that bottle and things will get moving again, which then helps to reduce the time that clients are waiting to hear back from you, which improves the overall experience and is more likely to result in thrilled clients who refer your next booking for you. Does it cost you a few hundred dollars a month in order to hire a VA? Yeah, but if each of those clients that are hiring you for a family session are then so much more thrilled with the experience that they refer one, two, three other families, that's taking care of your marketing for you. So you don't have to spend as much time talking about your product and you can spend more time serving your families. So as with roadblocks, same thing goes for bottlenecks. Is there a part of your workflow where things tend to get jammed up? Maybe your busy season hits and your editing log is crammed full of thousands of photos and you're so backed up on edits that you end up missing deadlines for clients. Or maybe your inquiries tend to come in waves and you cannot keep up with all that back and forth email. Well, bringing in help, maybe like a VA or an editor in either of those situations, that's going to widen the neck of the bottle and help get things moving again, which in the email example, that helps reduce the time that your clients are waiting to hear back from you, which then improves the overall experience and is more likely to result in thrilled clients who will refer your next booking for you. Please don't underestimate what lost referrals are costing you. If your experience that you offer your clients is not at least meeting client expectations, make no mistake, you are losing thousands of dollars in potential bookings. If you can't meet expectations, you're constantly missing deadlines, or you start every email off with, hey, sorry, it's taken so long to hear back from me, something has to give. 
Ideally, with every client, you are exceeding expectations because people don't give referrals for three-star reviews. So ideally, you're exceeding expectations, but the bare minimum here is to at least meet them. Take note. The list of these qualifications for tasks that can be given away, it's a lot longer than the list of qualifications for tasks that only you can do for your business. It's kind of humbling, right? (laughs) To see how replaceable you are in so many areas of your business. But that's a good thing. Creating repeatable tasks for others to execute for you and firing yourself from being the admin assistant and the intern and the designer and the editor and all the things, it means that you have more time to lean into the gifts that only you bring to the table. Those are the gifts that got you noticed in the first place, the ones that have a bigger payout because they are uncommon and remarkable. Your time is finite. There are only 168 hours in every week. So unless you want to live in the land where boundaries between work and play are completely non-existent, you only have a set number of hours to get stuff done at work. So be honest with yourself. Are you going to focus on the intern level tasks like making copies and doing Starbucks runs? Or are you going to put on your CEO pants and get the most essential, most impactful work checked off so that you can start seeing a bigger impact for your time? I mean, you're putting in the hours anyway. Wouldn't you rather see a CEO level payoff? Here's your homework. I want you to think of one task you know that you need to outsource. Commit to researching this week Who can help you with the task? You don't have to hire somebody right now, but I want you to at least know what your options are. Research who you might want to work with and how much it could cost. Get an estimate maybe. Having those numbers in hand will allow you to start thinking of a plan for how you're going to make that money back and then some. I know it's scary to send money out the door for a task that you could do yourself, but repeat this to yourself. CEOs don't do coffee runs. And friend, neither should you. Hit me up on Instagram, at Abby Grace Photo. Tell me what that task is that you're going to outsource first. I've got a list of tasks that I know I need to outsource, so come tell me yours and I'll share my top task too. Coming up in the next episode, we'll be talking about something my Brand Photography Academy students ask a lot. How can you get booked for more travel work? I'll be spilling my process for how I intentionally cultivated a have passport, will travel vibe for my wedding work years ago and how that continues to play out after pivoting into brand photography. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and head over to abbygrace.co slash podcast for even more resources to help you blow your clients away at your very next brand shoot. I'm Abby Grace and I'll see you next time. Now, let's go get after it, shall we?